up, friends, and welcome to the Ringer Golf Podcast, Fairway Rollin'. I am your starter, Joe House. Throughout the golf season, our PGA Tour correspondents on the ground, Nathan Hubbard and myself, are bringing you all of the very best takes having to do with the world of golf. That is Fairway Rollin', which you can find on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First battle season one champion, Mike Long. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. listening You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show. Kaz is out on assignment this week, so I'm being joined, as always, but not as always, on microphone. By our babyface production assistant, John Kerma. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. We're gonna do a little Q and A. We're gonna do a little uh, some listener questions. You put out the call, the the uh, the the humanoid signal, and we got some good questions. And man, we have so much to talk about that. Like I could do. I mean, we could we could have a regular episode, or we could just you know give the people what they want. So let's do that. Let's do it. All right. First question. We're gonna go with is at what point does the elite become the modern day nwo or (laughs) has that already happened well it's weird my instinct as with all these questions just to be like no it's nothing like that um but i was thinking about it not really in terms of the nwo but i was watching on obviously on on, on, all out on sunday and then on dynamite last night and and i was thinking First of all, I mean, it's uh, having Adam Cole join, I thought it was actually incredibly, I mean, straightforward, simple, but it was really smart and really necessary to sort of keep the momentum up in that group because as much as I, you know, love the Good Brothers and, you know, th- there's, they did, they've done some kind of cool things with the Bucks Omega drama over the months. But, you know, you, you don't want it to feel like Kenny Omega and the pips, right? So it's nice to have somebody else come in where they're just like, like 
the existence of Adam Cole, I feel like helps lift everybody, all the non-Omega people up in a, in a weird way. Um, I guess some would say the more people we get into AEW, the more the less time there's going to be for everybody else. But it really does make the elite feel like a unit, a potentially iconic squad instead of Kenny and his backups. But uh, but you know, is it the NWO? I don't know. I can say this: just having Daniel Bryan walk in the door and be part of this anti-elite crew is. I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I like the <laughs> I like the Jurassic Express. Uh, I'm you know like not uninterested in what they're doing with Frankie Kazarian. And you know, obviously I'm a big Christian fan. Um, it seems like a sort of rush job on the, like, you know, dudes with attitudes uh, moment in AEW. Like we're just going to put all these guys together and let them fight the elite. Although I have to say, I'm obviously a billion times more interested in Daniel Bryan trying to take out Kenny Omega than, than I ever was with like Lex Luger or whoever trying to take down the, the NWO. I mean, it's nice that they're actually making it seem like there's a, a viable threat. I don't know. I think that, I think that to me though, it's like the, the motives are a little bit different. I mean, I, I understand why Frank Kazarian and why Christian and why the Jurassic Express hate the elite, right? That part's really clear. Uh, I can understand why Daniel Bryan would want to take them down, but it does feel like to me, I mean, Daniel Bryan, whether, no matter what his character is, he doesn't have a character. He's like, he is Daniel, or sorry, Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson is the character and he's there because he wants to wrestle the best wrestling matches available to him in the world, right? And so you understand why Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega is, a, why Brian Danielson is motivated to have that match. It's not out of like, uh, you know, the hatred that is shared, that, that is shared by the other people up there. But whatever. The, what was the question? Is it better than the NWO? No, the elite's not bigger than the NWO. Now, there's. Well, it was. Are they the? Are they already the new NWO? Or no, at what, what point do we see them becoming that? What made the NWO really work at the beginning was, obviously, was Holland Nash coming over from WWE and then Hogan turning heel. I don't know that we've had a. It's to me like AEW is more like the NWO, right? It's like the whole company is just like is is the is the opposition. And and what they're able to do is actually what the NWO just utterly failed at, which is to make an interesting, like wrestling promotion underneath the banner. You know, after the shock and awe. Um, you know, I mean, there were rumors, and obviously they could have done a thing where it was like, where Dan, where Danielson and Punk and Adam Cole. You know, obviously there were rumors about Brock for a minute, but like you know, the, and there's more rumors about more guys. But where those three could have been a conquering, you know, unit coming in. They're like, we're gonna take. We're, we're here from up north. We're gonna take over. I mean, they could have done a straight up NWO gimmick, but um, we've. I mean, if history taught us anything, is that that's not a great idea. You know, <laughs> there, yeah, there's a there, 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 there's like a ceiling on that. So. Um, I think what they're doing is really interesting. You know, I mean, it remains to be seen to what degree. I mean, listen, it's Punk and Danielson and Adam Cole walking in the door is huge for AEW. Now, is it feasible that like, I mean, and, and putting them next to existing AEW talent is a smart move to like, you know, to 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 raise the profile of that talent. I'm not talking about Kenny Omega. I'm talking about, the Jurassic Express and Frankie Kazarian and and you know Team Taz last night, obviously Darby Allen, that, that sort of thing. So you know that's there's a real logic there. I mean, I guess that there's well, it remains to be seen. There's an off chance that like putting them next to those guys, you know, 
is like diminishes the returns on the investment of Danielson and Punk, right? I mean, if it's if it's like just those two guys and now they're kind of fighting in the mud with people that like average fans don't know who they are and they don't care about, does that does that you know minimize the opportunity? I mean, who knows? But I but for for now, I think I think what they're doing is super cool. I mean, it's just it's really interesting. I mean, I, what the NWO couldn't do is is sustain, you know, and and maybe you sacrifice a little bit on the front end for the for the longevity and and you know that AEW is in a really unique position of being able to. Not only can they shock, you know, they can shock the wrestling world with all these signings and stuff. And it's, no, I mean, it's a huge credit to them that they're, that they have these dudes of this profile who are like interested in crossing over or interested in joint signing up. But like they, what they have that is different than, you know, the previous Monday Night Wars or whatever else is that they have like a monopoly on the shocking signing right now, right? Like no, WWE is not even going to get a chance to shockingly sign anybody away from AEW for a while. And it, and they may never get a chance to sign anybody of like any significant profile. Right. So, I mean, like what is the, yeah. I mean, if it's not one of the VPs, it's not one of the big names they just signed. It's obviously much more meaningful for AEW to bring in Danielson than it would be for WWE to bring in, to bring back Jake Hager, or, you know, I mean, just something like that. So the, the whole, I mean, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, it, they can shock people. Every signing they can treat like a big deal and they can get a big reaction. And that's great. They should, they should milk it for everything it's worth. But what's difficult is not shocking people. What's difficult is, is telling, telling good stories, right? What's diff, what's difficult is like booking a good wrestling program. That's the bar. And they've shown that they're really, really good at it. You know, and the and and that if that's the if that's the goal that they're if that's what they're shooting for, then I admire that decision. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question is from Robert Molster. Uh, continuing on the elite conversation, should we read into Adam Cole not giving props to the Good Brothers last night in his promo, i.e., an elite split up, possibly? <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you know, do you know where they were filming last night? They're in the state of Ohio, which is you know the same place where LeBron James showed up and decided not to mention Andrew Wiggins in his uh, in his opening letter, right? That, that sort of stuff should be, you know, you should call attention to it. Um, yeah. I mean, the Good Brothers are in a weird spot, right? I mean, I don't even know what their contract deal is. They're Impact talent nominally, and you know, they're spending a lot more time on AEW. I guess they might be doing both. I have no idea, but um, yeah, I mean. They can keep teasing an elite split for as long as they want. And and it'll, you know, at some point it'll be meaningful enough to pull the trigger. I mean, I, right. So the one real obvious sort of op- opportunity here is if you, I mean, in, in the realm of fantasy booking is uh, a wrestler by the name of Kevin Owens, who I guess if he ever popped up on this show would be known as Kevin Steen. Um, there's a lot of news this week about KO. Uh the first thing that came out, I think, was Sean Sapp reporting that his contract was up a lot earlier than was expected, which um, is not an, a, does not appear to be another contract department snafu, snafu for WWE, but rather they just renegotiated his deal during the pandemic and and mutually agreed that it would be over in early 2022. Um, and last at some point, right after All Out, uh, Owens tweeted out like the the coordinates to <laughs> to Mount Rushmore and then quickly deleted it. And he's had some other teaser things in his Twitter profile, which uh, 
I'm sure most people know, but Mount Rushmore is a reference to his last run in PWG as part of this Mount Rushmore of wrestling with the Bucks and and Adam Cole. Um, and they were just, you know, the sort of kings of indie wrestling at the time. And it was a great heel gimmick. And it actually got sustained booze from the smarkiest crowd in the history of professional wrestling and Reseda. And and it was it was cool. Now, so yeah, it's pretty easy to imagine Kevin Owens walking into walking into AEW and kind of stealing Cole and the Bucks away from the elite and and having that be the be the feud or whatever. Um it, it, that would be a lot of fun. I don't know. I was texting people yesterday. I was just like, like, you know, Punk being back, no matter where he's wrestling, is just freaking awesome. Dan- Danielson going to AEW, I think, is actually like so cool and so like stimulating as a wrestling fan. Like, I want to see so many matches now, and and I like the kind of idea. You see, there was a thing that came out from Meltzer where it was like that that uh, one of one of Danielson's big motiv- motivators was just sort of the good of the wrestling industry. You know, like the reason he went is because it would like, I think he compared it to Mick Foley going to to Impact or TNA at one point where it's just like he just, he knows that competition is a healthy thing. And so he's helping kind of, you know, foster that by going there. I, It's sort of corny, but I do totally dig it. Like it does help the wrestling industry for Jameson to be there. And, and I'm I'm excited that he's there. Kevin Owens. And if by extension, you start thinking about Sami Zayn and, you know, I guess the next two on the list, you know, of the dream signings would probably be somewhere, something looking, it would look something like Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, something like that. Uh, maybe Samoa Joe. Um, but once like Kevin, uh, Kevin Owens going over there would be, for some reason, would just freaking break my heart, you know, because I just thought he is just m- like, he is made for WWE. You know, he's got everything that he he has. Well, I mean, you would think he has everything that they want in a superstar and he's proven himself time and time again. And he seems relatively happy. And, you know, I mean, what could be better? It's like he gets title shots and when he's not getting title shots, they let him feud with his best friend. You know, I mean, it's a it's a good job. And I can understand. Don't get me wrong. I understand that I'd be interested in going. But yeah, my thing is, like, I feel like I don't want to say he's underutilized because he's used in so many ways on SmackDown. But like looking back to his like main roster debut, like I wasn't a big NXT guy. So I saw his main roster debut is like my first time seeing him within the company and him like, you know, beating John Cena clean. Like you would expect him to be just this big star consistently. But I feel like. I don't want to say sounds wasted, but like you look at WrestleMania, I I get how you said like he's facing his best friend, but we saw the same match from him for like the hundredth time at WrestleMania instead of with a a feud leading into WrestleMania, not really like that, like stimulating. It felt like it was just like, let's just run this back for the hundredth time. I feel like in many ways he's underutilized. That's, that's pretty much what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean that's that's been a constant thing with WWE is that they sort of you know focus on a, a couple of things and let everything else sort of everything else sort of ne- necessarily feels un- underutilized or underdeveloped or underworked. I mean that's that is uh, I think you could say that's been an issue for a long, long time. Um, you know, long term storytelling and intelligent storytelling, good booking, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's not just about it's not just about getting people in the seats for a big event. It's not just getting about getting people to turn on the TV and listen. That's that's a huge part of it. I mean, a lot of people would say that's everything, but I think at the end of the day, 
a big piece of that is is the continuity of characters and of story arcs. And even when somebody's not in the main event, what they're doing has to matter for when they get back there or get to whatever their next phase is for them. I mean, honestly, at the end, it's, it's, it is rewarding people for paying attention. And I think that's what a lot of the, the, the angst about NXT call-ups and their sort of, you know, how they, the, the failure to, to kind of stick on the main roster for to work on the main roster i think that's what a lot of that boils down to it's like i am your uh, if you're a wrestling if you're a big nxt fan you're like i represent the most diehard of the wrestling fan base you know i am your i know that you're targeting you know kids and casual fans and whatever else but like i am the target demo and you are like actively thumbing your nose at the degree to which i care about the product you know, like WWE would be would be nothing if people actually just watched one of their shows, right? <laughs> if you're just like, no, I like, no, I, I yeah, well, I'm a big wrestling fan. I watch SmackDown. That's all that I do. You know, like they they would they would their ratings would tumble and all the other. You know, obviously, if people were, it would like cut their audience almost in half. And but to say that like someone who watches NXT like they don't get their that I mean you're not validating their fandom, their attention, their whatever else. I mean that's it's pretty significant and. You know, at the end of the day, like I said, that's what AEW has in a, in a very small sample size has proven really good at doing. You know, it's like you you care about people when they're when they're when they fall out of the title picture, and then you're interested when they get back. I mean, I'd, I'd say there's more people interested about like about you know Hangman Page's like current time off than they are about you know main eventers, active main eventers on Monday Night Raw. So you know, it's it's a there is a disparity there. So, you know, you can understand. I don't think underutilized is the word necessarily, but sure. I mean, if you want to say that, go ahead. You're not wrong. All right. Um, next question is from at C for clarity. Uh, who has, who will have the better run in AW, Adam Cole or Brian Danielson? You'd like to just say that there's not a difference. I mean, they, they both can have amazing runs. Who cares? Um, if you want, if you want a fantasy book, it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know, man. I mean, I think Danielson is in a position to have gr- huge matches that his entire his whole time there might just be like a series of dream matches with storylines kind of cobbled together. Uh, and Adam Cole will probably be able to tell the story of a career. So I think that you know we'll look back on Adam Cole's arc. I mean, Adam whatever is going to be probably a lot more interesting, and Daniel. Danielson's like DVD collection or like, you know, his, his playlist of, of matches is, might end up being better, but you know, and also, but also Adam Cole is going to be there for the long haul. I mean, I'm not saying Danielson's not, I just think it's, you know, he's closer to retirement. Um, who knows what the future holds for him? I think he's going to have, you know, a handful of just absolute bangers. Um, and some regular, you know, good matches on dynamite and everything else. But I think, you know, I, I so I think that, I think it's sort of a coin flip. Depends on what you're looking for. You got to pick one, Dave. You got to pick one. Uh, I'll say Danielson. All right. Next question. Is there a better heel in pro wrestling today than MJF from Igniter Kid? I don't know. There's so many different different definitions of heel. You know, I mean, it, I mean, I think it's probably still Roman. I don't think it's kind of hard to... I mean, you know, if you wanted to make the case, sure, but... Uh, MJF is doing 
I don't know. There, there's a sort of like self-awareness to MJF, that, but that puts him in a separate category for me. You know, he's like a dude that's going out there and and saying, "It's like when the when the when when Owens, like I just said, when the, when, the, when Owens and the Bucks and Adam Cole are like playing heel and and we're playing heel in Reseda, you know, they would go out there and I mean, you can do like cliche heel stuff, you know, like you a bunch of fat slobs or you know, like you know, like you know, you're like this town sucks, et cetera. Your local sports team sucks. Um, but MJF, he he does it so well, though. Like last night, it was ridiculous. <laughs> he's so he's so good. He doesn't do that the easy stuff all the time. I'm just saying that, like, he but there's a sort of self awareness to it where it's like, like, yeah, we're booing him. We're you're booing him out of respect, you know. It's a, and and because you he's playing, he's doing a very good job at being a bad guy. So we're gonna uh, accept him as a bad guy. But I don't know. I mean, I think that. It's hard to compare. I mean, he's not absolutely like main event level, despite, I mean, he he deserves it and will get there and everything else. And he's been so, but, and he's like so consistent night in and night out and on Twitter and in public appearances and everything else. I mean, it's really hard to take anything away from that guy. Um, so it's close. It's close. But, you know, it's it's different. I mean, like, you know, he's not, he, like I said, he's self-aware. He's not as self-aware in his presentation as Kenny Omega. It was like, you know, dyeing his hair and wearing ridiculous clothes and whatever else just to get the reaction out of you. Um, but, you know, and, and Roman Reigns is a different kind of heel than, like, Bray Wyatt or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just, there's a bunch of different types. Who's the best? Saying who's the best one is, it's impossible. And that's what's cool, you know? I mean, you could, you know, this isn't, like, 1985 where you're just, like, the best heel in wrestling is Ric Flair or whatever monster Hulk Hogan is wrestling, you know, at the time. Is from at Dar Wars is Adam Cole's AW theme their best non-licensed theme? It slaps. <laughs> yeah, it was so good that I was like, where, where did they? Where did I? Where did they get this from again? Like as if I should know the story, you know? Uh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. When he when he came out on on Dynamite, there was like a very brief clip, like of uh, a moment where they showed. Omega and the Bucks, I think, like kind of bobbing their heads to it, you know, as if like everybody knows this song, uh, which was a really great little wink. But like, um, yeah, it's a it's a I'm not a big uh, music guy, as everyone listens to this show knows. I mean, I'm not a big music guy like this. The intricacies of, you know, music drama don't interest me so much as just the effect of listening to a song. It's a it, but it's a banger of a song. I mean, it's it's so good. I guess the I guess the implication is it is beneath like Flight of the Valkyries and Cult of Personality on the chart on the you know the depth chart, but not but above everything else. I mean, I would say that that's that's legit. Mm-hmm. And next question is from at Cheese Lizard. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's an amazing at. Um, <laughs> what does WWE need to do to keep Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? Um, wow. I don't know that there's much you can do with a dude who's like tweeting coordinates to his new employer already. Um, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, you have to say, uh, especially, I mean, if someone's one foot out the door, even if they're not, I think you'd probably have to go to them and just be like, we 
know what we're doing wrong here are the things and we're going to change them and uh we're not going to spend as long as we did during the monday night wars before we figure out how to course correct we're just going to do it right now and we're going to do it we're going to start it off with you know you two guys joining forces and cutting a workshop promo on the whole company and and you're now you're you're the you're the you're our Steve Austin and CM Punk combined, you know? I mean, just do some I mean, you have I would just I would I mean, I seriously would go all in with them. If you're worried about if they don't if they don't feel like headliners to you, you can give them a heater or do you know, do whatever. You could add more people to that group, but I think those two together are just so I mean, it it's so crazy. It's so crazy to have that. And to, I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, it's so crazy to have, have this have had El Generico in your back pocket for how many years and never thought about yeah, not that you break them out out of nowhere, but like you don't even put somebody in the position to tease that so that maybe it could, you could see if it would work. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, as great as Kevin Owens has been, Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn's been hurt, you know, on and off or whatever. And but he, and he he's just you give him screen time, he's like batting a thousand. I mean, look, it, it it might seem like an overreaction. It might not work, but I think it's pretty easy to imagine a future in which. If you had those guys in a year or six months, you would be make you would be pulling a gimmick like that out as a last resort. You know, it's just like let's not do it as a last resort. Let's do it tomorrow. You know, um, and you know, and see what happens. See what happens because it does. I mean, listen, I was I think I've said this before, but you know, it, it took WWE a long time to write the ship after the NWO popped up. Right? I mean, it's like the NWO. Hogan joined the NWO at Bash of the Beach, and the next night the WWE on Raw they rolled out a Godwin's match. You know, I mean, it's like it wasn't. It's not like they saw and they were like, "Well, shit, we got to figure out. We got to figure out how to deal with this. Let's change everything." You know, they. It takes them a while to turn the ship. If I were them, I would be. I would be trying some stuff out, man. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. 
to find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. Next question is from Kevin Griffith. Almost one year into the new five-year TV deals for WWE, does Fox or NBC have buyer's remorse? And if so, at what point do they step in? Well, I don't think they have buyer's remorse. I mean, they're still getting really good ratings and they're really consistent and whatever else. Uh, And I don't think we're, I think we're, you know, AEW can be super successful. I don't think they're going to. I mean, they, they could beat Raw and SmackDown in the ratings. I don't think that's going to end up affecting Raw or SmackDown's ratings a ton. So I think it, they'll be... I mean, I just I feel like the, the networks will be, like, okay with it in terms of, like, you know, buyers... They're not going to have buyer's remorse. Now, if they're getting beaten ratings, if people are, like... You know, if you talk about your your Friday night lineup with WWE SmackDown and... You know, your advertisers are like, wait, wait, we already advertise on the top wrestling show. What are you talking about? And, and it's not you. Then, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure that there's there's stuff like that that would really give them pause. They talk they talk to the, these networks all the time. Like they're they're in constant communication. And I'm sure and I mean, I'm literally sure that, you know, the networks have. Suggestions and quibbles and everything else all the time. Um, you know, I'm sure both shows would love to have. Would I like to have, you know, Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch? Right now, only one of them does, you know? I mean, there's that kind of st- stuff is going to constantly be a thing. Um, but they're still working with the biggest. It's like, I mean, it's just a, it's WWE such a huge company, you know, that being in business with them, I'm sure just makes a lot more sense to someone, you know, to a company like Fox. I'm sure they'd like the product to be tweaked and maybe be tweaked a whole lot, but. No, no buyer's remorse just yet. I think we're a long way off from that. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, next question is from at Wally and Mario. Everyone can't win the AEW title. Who are your top five guys that will get a run with the belt, with number one being most likely and number five being least likely? Well, I don't I don't know how to rank it. Let, let me let me just go through. <laughs> uh I'll look at the site right now. People who people who will who who have a better than passing chance of being AEW world champion in the next two years, right? Um, maybe that's too long of a, a time frame. People that could that could be AEW champion at some point in the next eighteen months or something like that. Adam Cole, yes. Uh, Adam Page, yes. Andrade, yes. Um. And I'm not even talking about like, oh, like Anthony Agogo has a lot of upside. I'm saying like if basically if everything just stays the same and all we and all that changes is like time, you know, I mean, like or if, you know, yeah, then, um, you know, like you could make a case for Brian Cage. I'm not going to put him on the list. Uh, Danielson. um, So not Jericho because he's already been there. Let's say not Christian Cage because he's already been in the main event. Um. So CM Punk, yes. Uh, Cody Rhodes, not going to be in that situation. Darby Allen, eh, I think he's probably like the bar. Um, uh, let's see who else. Moxley's already had it, obviously. Omega, 
Jungle Boy is, I'd say, not quite. Um, who else? Does Big Show count since he's Stop in the it. <laughs> Shut up, Dave. <laughs> MJF is definitely there. Um, I would say Pac would be pretty easy, but he's had so many travel, like visa issues or like travel issues or whatever, that it just seems like there's no way that they could. It would it would take it take a little bit more consistency, I think, to get him there. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs is a great dark horse because they're clearly very dedicated to this project, right? Um, same thing with Ricky Starks. I mean, Sammy Guevara is right there with uh, you know in sort of the MJF Darby Allen tier, but I, I would put him a little bit below those guys. Um, I guess that's it. So I mean, I'd say like the the big so Darby. Uh, <sighs> MJF. Oh, I didn't even say Miro. Does Miro count too? I'm going to eliminate Miro just because he's, well, he could totally be the champ. He's so good. But if I had to go five of five dudes who have not held the AEW title, what we're going to say, I'm going to say Cole Page, Danielson, Punk, and MJF. Yeah, that's a good list. That's pretty much what mine would be. Okay, next question is from Son of Daro. Who is most likely to be the first AEW performer to sign with the WWE, and why is it Chris Jericho? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Chris Jericho's contract situation is over there. Uh, it seems like with his commentary and his veteran leadership and what he's meant to the company at the beginning, it seems, it does feel like he could have a kind of a lifetime deal, um, finding different ways to keep himself interested and utilized. Um, but of course, I mean, of course he could, he could, you know, Vince was like, we need you to main event WrestleMania. Uh, here's a, here's a gigano bag. I'm sure he would be open to it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I told, I said, we, someone asked this question on, on Sunday on our post show on green room and uh, you know, you said Warlow. I say Wardlow It's a safe bet, but like you can see Ward. I mean, you could like easily, <laughs> you know, Vince is like foaming at the mouth looking at Warlow. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think that like, whatever, like his contract will come up and he'll explore his options. And, and I don't think it's even like a screen time thing. I don't think whatever else. I just think that like, Vince will someone like that. Vince is just going to come hard, knowing that he has to 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 prime away. And and I think there's going to be a moment where Tony Khan's like, actually, for the good of the business, why don't you go do that? You know, like what, like why don't you go take that screen time? We'll hire you back in two years. You know, like whatever. Like I, I don't know. I I think that they'll. Pro I think that that as much as it seems like a contract dogfight, you know, and and it is at times. I do think that there'll be some sort of. You know, like like the non-ironic kind of future, like best wishes and all your future endeavors, you know, like go do something else. Go try it out. Go see what you can do. We'll be here with the same contract whenever you want it back, you know? Um, so, yeah, I I, that, I I would guess something like that. Um, although, I mean, and, and we don't really have much, or at least I don't have much insight into their contract situations. So I don't, I, I just, I don't know. But I mean, if some if the, if we had a list of people whose contracts were up within you know in six months or something, you know, like may, that would be, you could have a lot like some fun sort of parsing through that. But I just don't. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that WWE would have interest in, 
right? I mean, uh, that some, pro- but but they're all probably like lower, like like dude, WWE probably signed like Matt Ca- Max Caster, or, you know? I mean, like there like there's there's a handful of of guys who, if they were just dudes at the WWE tryout that they just held in Vegas, it probably would have gotten contracts. But if we're talking about like stealing dudes and putting them right onto Raw or something. It's hard on even on a case by case basis. It's hard to really imagine who that would be. So this one's from at Armando WK. Who are the backstage folks, producers, Kevin Dunn, talent relations, creative, etc. That WWE will throw the bag at not to lose to AW or another company. Oh well, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Dunn is the big dude. Kevin Dunn's got. A bunch of money in WWE stock, and he's very well compensated. I mean, I can't imagine him going to AEW for a lot of reasons. Um, and they've traditionally not. I mean, and he, but he also sort of runs. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, there, there's producers backstage, but they seem to cycle through those without much hesitancy, you know. And um, I just don't. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't imagine anybody that's not part of the family that they would you know, or a very, very like long time confidant that they would, I don't know. I mean, and Tony Khan seems to have a very specific idea of who he wants to work with too. I mean, this is totally, you know, just, just me imagining like I'm fantasy booking the, the, the back, the booking office, you know, but like, it seems like I'm sure I I don't have it. I don't know anything that anybody listening to this doesn't know. So, I mean, I, you know, I would be like, yeah, I, I can imagine Tony Khan like hiring Bruce Pritchard off this, you know, when he was like doing his podcast every week. But now when he hire try to hire Bruce Pritchard away that he's since he's like show running all those shows and you kind of he, you know, his, the kind of book on him is different now in terms of the internet wrestling community than it was a year ago. I mean, who knows, man? It's it's impossible to imagine. Although all those like Triple H is all elite stories. That, I mean, like memes that were coming up last week were fantastic. By the way. Best wishes to Triple H for get well soon. I actually talked to this is totally legit. I mean, he he was a it wasn't like uh like a super medical emergency that got him, but it was like something he had to take care of. It was a real medical thing. Everybody like like I'm I'm in my forties. Like you get to a certain age where like you know a, a trip to the doctor might just be <laughs> you plan your doctor's visits accordingly because like you might just go straight from there to the er like that's just at a certain age that's just how you roll you know and uh and this was it was a real serious thing and he just had to get it taken care of and presumably i mean he, he seems like he's on the path to recovery and they actually i think that a lot of the one of the reasons that we know about this to be honest is because he was going to miss time at nxt because of it and there were so many stories around about Vince and Bruce taking over NXT, which is not, I guess, true, and and uh, and and all that that like they were that there was some concern that the that the rumors might be more damaging, you know, might be more serious than reality if he just wasn't there unannounced. So you know, this is a very it's a personal thing, you know, seriously. I mean, if he is an incredible force for good in professional wrestling, um, and I mean, as everybody knows, and he's uh, you know, whatever happens in NXT, he will be. Uh, a big force there and I'm feeling that'll still be you know everybody's beloved show so um, you know get well soon to Triple H and and, uh, you know try not to look at too many Triple H's all elite memes while you're while you're recovering (laughs) 
All right. This is going to be the last fan question. And then I have one question after that. Um, and I picked this question because I fully feel this sentiment. It's from at RCB3, Robert Barron III. Um, how can we end all of the AEW versus WWE conversations? He asked because he says they're not in the same business. WWE is entertainment conglomerate and AEW puts on professional wrestling shows. But is there <laughs> anything we can do, Dave, to end this uh, WWE versus AEW backlash? Or is it just inevitable at this point? Well, it goes both. I mean, yeah, just on some level, it's inevitable. You know, it's like. But but it's also so beside the point. I mean, I think so many of the questions that we get are just seem, you know, will there be enough screen time? Like we talked about that on Sunday. It's like, it's so speculative. Like point at the person who's not getting enough screen time in AEW. Point at the person who's getting, I mean, there are people, but like, tell me, but don't say, are there going to be too many mouths to feed? Tell me, don't you think, don't you think who, uh, Chuck Taylor is getting screwed in this whole thing? Like point, like point at the person who's not getting the screen time that you think they deserve. Um, and then, you know, think it through a little bit. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the conversation is sort of like that, where it's like, it's just sort of, you feel like you're obligated to ask a question and, or like there's a, you know, but like it doesn't, you don't think whether or not it's like meaningful, you know, it, um, I, it just, I think that both companies will end up being better off in the long run for the existence of the other ones. I mean, for all that AEW is doing now and for, you know, kind of counter-programming and, and being the alternative and blah, blah. I mean, they have to be the alternative to something, right? And it and it helped. It certainly helps as much as they're trying to outdo WWE. It's It must have helped them that they were able to say to T&T and to whoever, all their other business partners, like, well, we're going to be like that, you know, and point at WWE. Like, we're going to be bigger than that. But that but they WWE established the sort of the platform and the bar. So... Um, they need each other. Uh, there will always be ta- be back and forth. But like I said earlier, it's like AEW has a monopoly on signing away people at this point, right? So and and surprising people, and they have so many more ways to sort of, you know, get everybody get the fans going. It's just hard. I just don't. There, there, I don't think it's as simple as like one of them's doing wrestling and one of them's doing sports entertainment. You can talk about that all you want, but like I think that they are actively in different, such different phases right now that it's hard to compare the product. That doesn't. There's no no excuses built into that. I just think they're, they're they are doing very different things. Um, I think it's natural to talk about this stuff, you know, to talk with your buddies and like, oh man, I wonder what WWE would have done if they had had this or wonder what AEW would do if they had, you know, if they got Brock Lesnar or Bray Wyatt or like whatever. I mean, it's, those things are, are, but I think that there's a deeper thing when people are talking about contracts and well, it is fun to fantasy book about when your favorite dude's going to show up into their company. Don't get me wrong, but about like what people are signed to and how much money they're making. And like, you know, did WWE like, you know, they, the the motives behind that stuff and how they affect the other company. There's so much, so much about it that we don't know when we kind of feel, I don't know. It's just like become part of the way that we discuss pro wrestling. I'm not faulting anybody for that, but it's just like, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's not terribly interesting. So like, and what you read online on Reddit or on Twitter, or whatever, the loudest voices are very, very biased ones. They're not biased, but you know, like the like the, most people who have most of the loudest people are either very loudly like pro AEW or pro WWE, um, which doesn't you know make it that make the discourse any saner. Um, so yeah, I mean, but w- it's never going to go away. But I think we can all 
uh, you know, take a, it's one of the, it's just like a lot of things in life. Like think before you talk, you know, I mean, you don't have, but, but again, this is pro wrestling. We should be talking. It's cool that we're talking about it. So I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody for talking about it. It's just, I don't know. There's so many of these questions where it's like, you can either do like a hot take sports radio answer or something, or you can just be like, uh, I don't really care. But can I just watch the show? We have so much wrestling to watch right now. That's a crazy thing. Like you could spend all your time just watching episodes of professional wrestling. So why don't we just do that instead of talking about like weird, like imagining what the backstage politics situation is like or whatever. I mean, you know, it's just, just watch the show. See if they put on a good one. By the way, I do want to say WWE has let us down this path, right? I don't think it's as deliberate as it might seem at times, but like WWE's like entire documentary division, we've talked about this before, but like there, it feels like their entire documentary division is built upon the narrative that like these wrestlers have to overcome what WWE has done to them, right? <laughs> if you watch like the, if you watch the, the shows with like, you know, all, like all the people, like the, 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 um, the Keith Lee one was the one that that you know was a I, that I think Scott is talking about it, but there were you know all of them, and even going back to like Steve Austin when it's just like Vince didn't say anything in me, and I had to like prove my you know and same with Mick Foley and you know all the all that stuff, the, the idea that like you have to like suffer so much adversity and the adversity is WWE not thinking you have it right, and then you overcome and so and that's what Daniel Bryan's entire rise the yes movement was a was that was the story wwe doesn't see anything in me right and that's become a really potent like piece of the like of like promotional tool in the sort of in the modern era right we want our wrestlers this is why we booed john cena why we used to boo roman reigns we want wrestlers to overcome the odds and the odds are overcome the disapproval of vince mcmahon and the wwe front office we want that wwe has indulged that in us to a large extent so now when the, now that there's actually competition it's natural i think for people to be to feel like wwe or that one or company or the other is like the is like a force of good or evil right i mean to say like like it's 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 natural to see like a corporate monolith as a villain that's what we're taught to do and by the way talking we didn't even talk about do you have any is there an adam cole question coming up we didn't talk we didn't talk about the story that just came up about about um what Meltzer said about his, the proposed main roster gimmick for him was going to be that he would be, they were going to turn Keith Lee heel and let Adam Cole be his mouthpiece. Like, like, like Rush and, and Lashley were. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, the, he would, he would get to prove himself as a wrestler or something and whatever. And, and the weird thing is that like Jim Cornette, I think some said something about that not long ago where he was like, like if you show Vince, Adam Cole, Vince is going to say, nah, he's not a superstar, you know, and, and just close the book on him, you know, even if he, whatever, but, but if you bring him in as, as a mouthpiece or something like that, and then, you know, the storyline gets him in the ring and Vince can be like, wow, you know what? This guy's really got something. Then Vince can feel like he like discovered the guy and really, and, and make the career. By the way, Adam Cole's, they, they, he po I think Meltzer postulated that they might change Adam Cole's name too. So there's not two Coles on the roster, which is, you know, just hilarious and bonkers. Um, that might have been enough for him to be like, nah, I'm going to go to the other company. It's just sort of crazy. The, like they're act, it's like it's almost like they're booking solely so that. I mean, this is from like a a million miles out perspective, but it's like they're booking with the sole purpose of like putting guys and girls in the position of having to overcome their shitty booking. Like that is the goal. You have to do. 
the Roman Reigns heel turn and be like, I'm not what they just painted me as, you know, whatever for to to really get over. And maybe you do, but it's not if they were doing it more deliberately, I guess I'd have more confidence in it. It's all just very strange, man. It's all mm-hmm. very strange. Um, all right. So we'll wrap up with this two-part question I have. What is your pay-per-view of the year and what is your match of the year? You have to pick only one for each. None of the teetering. Man, I don't know what my match of the year is. I mean, I think All Out is the pay-per-view of the year. I think it's really – I mean, with this is recency bias. Um, but man, it's it's really hard to make the case for anything else. I mean, well, I mean, what else would you pick? SummerSlam? I mean, I like. I'm, I'm sure. I, mean, I would on- put SummerSlam. I was, if anything, if we're counting WrestleMania as a whole, I don't know. WrestleMania Night One, I felt like was really good, but still, it just didn't have the the pops that AEW All Out had. So, I think it will probably be All Out for pay per view, but I think match is a little more interesting. All right, so. Oh man, I'm just trying to go through. Like I'm trying to trying to even remember what this year had. Um, obviously, Dragonov Walter. I would say the most recent one. Do they have another one this year? Anyway, we'll just put the most recent one on the list. Um, what else would even be? What else is in the running? Uh, oh, there's like there's two different two different um, Osprey Shingo matches in New Japan uh, that were super good. If you if that if uh if we're going WWE, I would say Bianca and Sasha at WrestleMania. Oh yeah, oh That's yeah, really 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 good. And then obviously the steel cage tag match we just witnessed oh, at all out. Amazing, amazing. Those are my, between my two, I haven't picked mine yet. Yeah, I think that tag match has got to be has got to be on the list. Yeah. Oh, Abushi had a couple of good matches this year too. Oh, my new Japan exists outside of my like frame of reference for what a year is. This, this this coronavirus is not helping with the way my brain works. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a list. I mean, I think I mean, there's probably other ones that we're not remembering. Everybody should like tweet us at them. We got We got to get out. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. Like, imagine I got the Jordan one with the thumbtacks on the bottom of it to your head. Pick one, or you get the thumbtacks to the head. Oh man. I'm just going to pick Walter Dragunov. I mean, that was just the, that was the, I don't know if that was the best match of the year, but that was sort of the best match. It was a sort of perfect match. So let's just mm-hmm. go with that. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, that's it. Uh, let's get out of here. We'll be back next week. Uh, Kaz will be back. Keep listening to this feed. We got Mac Mania coming up. And um, again, watch this space. We might have some more stuff to announce. Uh, until then. Apologies to John Moxley. Thank goodness for the home his homecoming episode. He had a hell of a match. We didn't even talk about it. So really, apologies to John Moxley. We didn't talk. To, they should have given him more time. But they, you know, that was a hell of a match. It's been a big week for him. And until then, we'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 